This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Okay, let's do it. Let's do this in one take, this intro to what WTF is an NFT. What the F is an, what the fruit is an NFT. Well, guess what? My friend Tyson Wagner has been dubbed a uh, NFT god by a previous podcast guest, which you'll hear all about coming up. And we got him on the show, Tyson, in between his eight-plus hours of presence on the NFT chain a day, we broke that normal and got him on the show. So enjoy this. And on the celebration of synchronicity, which is the schedule for this podcast, along with uh, today is actually um, National Bison Day. Happy National Bison Day, y'all. Wow. Not only is it National Bison Day, but the local school college here that I live at right next to is CU Boulder, Colorado University Boulder. They had their last homecoming game of the weekend. I mean, of the season. And it was actually dad, dad's weekend as well. And they went into overtime and won. They run a baby bison on a field before they kick it off, um, which is amazing. I haven't seen it live in person yet, but let's put that on the intention list. So they won today in overtime. It's National Bison Day. It's pretty much Tribe Vitamins' one-year-old birthday. And it's the day that I'm announcing something very special. Because we turned a year old, I did some accounting. And I am very, I'm going to brag about our sales, like our happy customers, our stoked customers that do not want to go a day without tribe vitamins, including myself and my mom and many others. What I would not brag about is our margins. Um, I think we may have profited, maybe. We would have to get to the nitty-gritty on that. And what a breaking normal intro, huh, to tell you all the behind-the-scenes business. But basically, the good news is what I said already. And the better news is that we get to find out a way to make um, this a business that can grow. And that looks like it's going to be instead of paying for 50 bottles at a time, maybe paying for 1,000 bottles at a time. And that would pretty much do it. And and getting more customers. So if you are loving tribe vitamins as much as I think you are if you have them, and as much as maybe I am or my mom is or the countless others, maybe spread the word. And this is a special announcement on this happy National Bison Day along with the rest of the synchronicities. And since we're talking about money on this uh, podcast, let's talk, let's talk about it. It's funny how money brings up so much different things for different people, including myself. But basically, it looks like I was thinking about um, talking to some investors that might want to put some capital up front so that we can make better margins 
in 2022 as our customer base grows. Um, but I was also thinking for all the people that are so stoked on Tri Vitamins, I'm like looking at the Shopify website right now. Let me let me do a shout out to Larry Salvatero, Natasha, Shaden, Paul, Lisa, Ryan, Jennifer, Dean, Sarah, David, Angie, Matt. Man, the list keeps going and growing and glowing. And uh, we're going to open up the opportunity to do a wholesale purchase of Tribe Vitamins for 2022 for individuals. And it'll be a really, really good deal. So go ahead and text me. I'm, I'm going to do that. Because we're going to do it, I think, for 50 people um, at 404-538-3156. You can text me about that or anything. But shoot me a text if you want to go ahead and get the best deal possible on a year supply of bison liver from Tribe Vitamins, 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison liver, raw, freeze-dried and milled and put into a capsule so that you can microdose on it every day and macrodose on life. And you know, people ask, what, is, what does it do? Usually for most people immediately, it gives them a nice libido boost and energy boost. So I would recommend taking them in the morning at the suggested dose, um, maybe before you eat breakfast or breath work, <laughs> like myself. Um, I like to do four bison liver and four elk liver before breath work every day, pretty much. That would be the ideal protocol. And we have a great deal on them both together. Arguably too good of a deal. And if you look at our margins from last year, but we're going to, hey, things only get better and better. And the bison are calling and, you know, maybe it wasn't supposed to be so easy, the birthing process. I've seen a birth in real life of my divine daughter. It didn't look easy at all. I don't think it was easy for anyone. But it was ecstatic and euphoric and miraculous. And basically the meaning of life epitomized. So thank all of y'all for helping me and everyone that's been involved in giving birth to this project known as Tribe Vitamins. Go to tribevitamins.com. Get, you, get yourself on that bison liver and elk liver. And if you are interested in going ahead and getting a year supply like I am and my family is and many people are, um, we're going to give a really good deal so that we can invest in this project even farther, such as uh, maybe getting a, already already in the, the, it's already happening, getting a personal freeze dryer so we can get y'all more of our seasonal batches consistently and then more volume because we have sold bison heart and bison testicles and they sold out so quickly and we didn't really have much left. But with this, we can do it. And there's many other reasons. And um, I just love how this is all entangled into, like interwoven into this upward spiral that in this context we're calling the Breaking Normal Podcast. I love y'all. I love all the cool messages I get. If y'all want to support this, definitely try vitamins because that really supports you and it supports our earth in so many ways. Um, 
especially on National Bison Day. Look it up. Look up the history of the bison. Or not, don't even look it up. Look within. Look within. What does that symbol mean to you? And what Tribe Vitamins is doing is basically bringing medicine as food, as food, because this is just a single ingredient supplement. It's just like eating a few bites of raw liver, uh, right, raw bison liver each day, which I think it's better to eat a small amount of liver every day than a big amount every once in a while. And uh, my previous podcast guest, Luke Tara, which rave reviews about that one, we talk more about the uh, magical upgrade of freeze drying that uh, sacred source that was found on this land way before pharmacies were. So Trivitamins is bringing food, food as medicine, uh, what people used before they were in pharmacies, and bison liver is definitely one of those um, foods that are medicine. So uh, we have some other exciting things on the radar, especially like bison heart and the bison testicles in an extremely small batch, which I think some of y'all have already reached out to us through the website to be notified when we get those. So go ahead and do that if you want to be on that list. And uh, hey, strap in for this podcast with uh, the new flowing Tyson. Man. And oh, I'm just, thank you, Tyson. Thank you. Thank y'all. Let's keep breaking normal. Maybe I'll leave a, no, maybe, no, I was going to leave an outro to, to the book that's on, on audio as well, because Tyson is such an audio genius. Um, but just go ahead and get it. You don't need the sample. There's a free sample on Audible. Breaking normal. Keep breaking normal, y'all. I'm here with Tyson Wagner. Third time on the Breaking Normal podcast, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Cool. I believe the first time was me interviewing you on the Big Island of Hawaii. Um, after we executed that tribe design event yeah, in that house next to the King's Valley. Yeah, yeah, that. That, yeah, yeah I believe. Uh -huh. Oh, buddy. And then the next time was when I was in Sedona and you were interviewing me for your potential podcast and we yeah. made it an episode for the Breaking Normal podcast. Yeah. And that was quite magical. Yeah. And... Um, uh, if you're not familiar, I'm here with Tyson Flows. Is that the Instagram handle, Tyson Flows? Yeah. How are you known these days? I know you as also Tyson Wagner. Any other handles we should know about? Yeah, that. I guess on, on Twitter, I'm going by Time Money. Time um, Money? <laughs> not Time, but that'd be interesting. Just Ty. Ty. T-Y yeah. Money? People call me Ty. Tyson. Ty. Yeah. On uh, Twitter? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Time Money. Okay. So but it'll change. That'll be something different, you know, next year. You're going to change that your, your um, alias again? Maybe. I mean, if the past is any indication of the future. All right. Well, here are time money. You're checking in from Canada, correct? Mm -hmm. I was recently in Austin, Texas, and some of our mutual friends, um, also previous podcast guests like Kevin Oros, um, he was referencing you as a uh, NFT god. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an exaggeration. But um, I have been um, exploring NFTs uh, with a, quite a lot of focus and passion for about four months. And I'm wondering on your mic, if you, I don't know if you had that mic, did you change it to your uh, headphones, right? Yeah. That was somehow like really close to your mouth. I, but that's... Uh, That'll be up, 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 I guess, well, I challenge anyone 
that might be distracted by anything, including audio issues, this might be worth tuning into. I say that also because previous podcast, Timothy Eisen and my brother, her mutual friend, was really stoked to hear this one. And so with another previous podcast guest, Jeremy Shalman, he was really stoked to hear this one because I guess we're going to be talking about the new flowing Tyson, as we've already referenced, NFT. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about NFTs, I believe. And that seems to be a very trending topic that I imagine many people are very compelled by, but they are battling with being distracted, aka not understanding it, aka being overwhelmed, aka when a lot of new technology comes into culture, for instance, let's say the cell phone and you have that granddad or whoever it is be like, I don't want to use those phones. That's stupid. And then, uh, or if it's Facebook, like that's for, that's for weird people. And I'm like, maybe, maybe, but that doesn't mean they, they can't be tools leveraged to our, to the advantage of our consciousness and understanding and being aware of what's going on and how culture is always changing, which it should always be. I like believe culture is very similar to water in that way that good, clean water, good, clean, fresh water is in movement. Um, and our culture is definitely in some movement. I, I'm concerned that some of it might be like going towards a devastating waterfall, some of the ideas. <laughs> but this NFT one seems to be like one of the waves to catch uh, being a surfer. <laughs> like we got we to gotta understand what's going on with this swell. And maybe the new flowing Tyson can break down a little bit of what an NFT may be for my frustrated friend that wants to really understand it but seems overwhelmed by it. Cool. Yeah. So I won't give you the most accurate or technical definition of what an NFT is. I'm certainly not the person to do that. But how I understand an NFT is that it's a token um, that exists on a blockchain. So similar to Bitcoin or Ethereum, except the difference is, is that an NFT is non-fungible, meaning that if you have one NFT and I have one NFT, they're going to have different properties from each other. Whereas if you have one Bitcoin and I have one Bitcoin, they're identical. They're interchangeable. You could give me yours and I could give you mine and we wouldn't know the difference. So an NFT is not fungible, whereas a Bitcoin is fungible. And so what this means is that these tokens that exist on a blockchain, um, like I said, they can have different properties and they're programmable. And so this token can represent ownership over a bunch of different things. It could be a piece of digital art. So say you like to collect art, but maybe you are nomadic and you live out of a backpack. What if you could collect art <laughs> digitally and prove ownership of it? Um, it could be um, a vote in a DAO or membership in a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, which is like, imagine a company, but rather than a traditional um, like top-down hierarchical like uh, structure of the company, it's um, owned by all of its members cooperatively. So like, you know, similar like a co-op, but each um, member would have votes proportionate to the amount of NFTs they owned. That's one use case. Um, an NFT could be uh, a ticket to an event, right? But it exists um, on the blockchain, meaning that you couldn't uh, duplicate it or forge it. So, you know, sometimes you go to a concert and there's people selling fake tickets outside the doors. It's very easy. They can just photocopy it. And then if that ticket gets used before your actual real version, 
because the barcode is the exact same, theirs would be valid and yours wouldn't because they got to they got to use the, that barcode first. So an NFT could be um, a ticket that couldn't be faked. And it also means that if you wanted to transfer that ticket to a friend or sell it on the secondary market, you could do that. Um, so those are some things that an NFT could be, but the common uh, variable there is that it's a token that exists on a blockchain. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's try to make this real personal. Yep. And um, because it's something we were like to echo what we were talking about last night. As Tribe Vitamins is turning one year old, and I'm wearing this shirt that Jennifer gave me and her dad. Um, the picture behind me is an original art piece. It's really amazing. It's a the head of a bison that seems like to be vortexing the universe out of the eye in the center. Um, if we wanted to turn, we could turn this into an NFT potentially. Is that correct? Yeah. So if the artist of that um, piece wanted to sell a digital version, they could, and they could sell uh, a thousand copies or 10 copies, or they could sell one copy. And by owning that, um, they could program in to the contract, uh, the proof of ownership, different, um, different possible uses. So maybe by owning it, you get all um, like commercial rights, or I don't know the proper terminology, but basically the freedom to use that piece of art however you want it. So maybe you're a, a Western music artist and you wanted to make it your album cover, you could just do that because you own the NFT. Or maybe you um, run a company called Tribe Vitamins and you wanted to use that art in your promotion, uh, your marketing and promotional material, then you could do that because you own the NFT. So, or maybe they wanted to take a different approach and maybe it's a utility token. So if you own this specific piece of art, maybe it grants you first access to this artist's NFT drops in the future where you get the opportunity to buy it if you want to before the general public. So it's a piece of art that they could sell on its own as a piece of art. But I think the one thing that is especially unique about NFTs and how they're being used is the different utility that can be attached to them. But that's a couple examples of what the artist of that, um, that epic painting could do. Okay. All right. So let's just really dive into this because sometimes I think what's been tossed around the fires at tribe design, if the devil's in the details and the devil is an angel without wings, let's give it some wings by giving it some awareness here. Let's say we do this. Do Can I just take a picture of it with my phone? Like, uh, can yeah. I just like say, hey, Jim, I'm going to take a picture of this and we're going to make an NFT out of it. And these are the agreement between us and i'm gonna make a we're gonna put a hundred available yeah you could do that you could do how whatever you wish now somebody um might prefer a specific file size and quality because they want to put it up in their digital display right so like um, if there's a band that wants to make a a, a hundred foot flag of this. They want to have high resolution for the, like their next show. Sure. Yeah. So they might want to own on, this NFT so yeah. that they could do that and they want a certain quality. Maybe. Yeah. It depends on the collector and what they're looking for. Um, 
And then, I mean, as like Gary V's very successful NFT collection has demonstrated that the quality of the art is not necessarily um, important. So in this case, we have a beautiful piece, beautiful piece of art. Gary V, he drew doodles on pieces of paper, right? And then had somebody just digitally render them and sold those. And those are holding, I haven't checked on the floor prices recently, but I know that they've gone for tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's not because of the way that the art looks. It's because of by somebody owning that specific NFT, they have access to specific um, things, services that Gary V is providing, like attendance to VCon, which is his conference, like access to um, private Discord servers where he shares information, does surprise like giveaways and calls and things like this. There's one in particular called the gift goat, where by owning it, I think you get like a gift each year that you own it or something like this. And he specifically like does research about you to find out what kind of gifts you would like. And being Gary V with his network and such, right? He's got, he's got friends in high places. He might be able to get you a gift that no one else could get you. And so you're going to hold on to that, not even knowing what the gift would be and you're just trusting. So that is an example of how like you could just take a photo of it on your phone and maybe that someone it's wouldn't, someone doesn't mind so much because they're not displaying this on their wall necessarily, right? It's just sitting in their, um, their wallet, basically viewable on the internet. So they might be most interested in buying that photo that you took on your phone of this awesome piece of art that a friend did that you made an agreement with, because maybe they're getting access to something that Tribe Vitamins or you was providing, right? And so then we could go into those different possible use cases. But to answer your question, like, yes, you could do anything um, as long as you had, obviously, like a, a clear understanding with the artist and then people that were buying the NFT, they would probably want to know, like, who is the artist? Like, you know? What's the story behind this? Okay, wow. So let's say there's a hundred NFTs out there for this extremely private party with Gary V, Snoop Dogg, us, some Bison, and every other breaking normal podcast guest and beyond. And with the parties in 2020, um, New Year's, New Year's 2020. 2020, 320s. It seems like how does that affect in the perk of having one of those coins is being able to attend that party. Once that party happens, like you mean that then this is where the potential market value of this NFT fluctuates? Well, it depends. So I mean, if you had an NFT that got you into a party, um, and then at the end of that party, you had just had your NFT, but the party already happened. And so now if you sell me, if I sell you my NFT that got me access to the party, then and the party already happened, you might not want it, right? It's not going to be worth anything to you because the party already happened. Unless you wanted to show off to someone three years down the road and say, look, I went to a party with Gary Vee and Snoop Dogg. Look, here's proof. I still have the ticket. That might be the only reason you want to buy it is the fib. Unless, of course, there was other utility built in. So maybe, imagine this for a concert. Imagine you went to a concert, right? Like a Trevor Hall concert. And at some point during that concert, a big QR code showed up on a screen. And there, it, that was to be able to purchase an NFT 
and there were only as many of them as there were people at this show, right? And not everyone would buy it. So say there were 20,000 people at the show, um, you know, and 5,000 people bought the NFT on the spot. That means at the end of that show, 5,000 of this NFT existed. And basically what it is, is it proves you were at that show. But also by buying that NFT, you get to download the entire set. Like you get to download the entire show. So the audio file, the live recording, as well as the visuals that this, like appeared on the screen. So any, you know, v- visual assets that they had, plus the live like video recording of the show. So now you've got like this time capsule, this digital representation of the show that you went to, had an amazing time, right? Had all these awesome memories. It was so fun. And so if you wanted to, you could throw this up in your home feeder or whatever and relive that experience with a ownership over a memento, a piece of art that says I was there. And you could hold on to that for the next 20 years. And maybe 20 years down the road, there's something about that show that was significant, right? So maybe at that show, Trevor Hall did like did this awesome thing. Like he, I don't know he made this big announcement or he gave out a charitable donation or he, you know, he played this song and he broke down in tears because it meant something to him. And it was just like, you know, there was some kind of history behind it. And you're holding not only the proof of attendance to that show, but the, the digital assets. Um, you could then sell that on a secondary marketplace to someone else who didn't get to go to the show or someone who did go to the show, but they were like, you know, a little bit, drunk or high and they couldn't get their phone to work or it was dead and they didn't buy the NFT. So maybe years down the road after enjoying this NFT that you owned, you sell it to someone for like three times what you paid for it. Maybe this is all hypothetical. And now they're stoked because they get to relive that experience. They get to own that proof of ownership and you're stoked because you held on to it and cherished it. And then you sold it at a profit. So I think that would be an example of something that could happen and probably things like that will likely happen. Well, I mean, that's also relevant because I, you were not in the Breckenridge tribe design because at that point, you, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of, I would like to sprinkle in some of these like Canadian versus United States mandates that potentially might be happening right now. Um, but there was a, one of the tribe design events we did when then you, somehow you were not there was with Trevor Hall and Trevor Hall's been on the Breaking Normal podcast. So these are all very, did you listen to that episode with Trevor Hall by any chance? Mm-hmm. So, let me know what you think. And um, so these are all relevant. So let's make it even more relevant. Let's can you explain the story to me about you buying your first NFT? And you know, I was, tell, I was aiming to tell Timothy and Emerald about that. Timerald and and someone else, and they were like, "Oh, Mike Tyson," because like they bought it from Tyson. Like, is that? Did you ever connect those dots? I mean, (laughs) I thought it was neat. And like, some people were being like, whoa, like, do you guys know each other? Like, that's crazy. Like, Mike Tyson bought one from Tyson. Like, people were kind of like confused about it. They were like, did he just buy it from himself? Like, what's going on? But I don't think there was any connection. I think he genuinely just liked this specific um, one that I had. well, Maybe I should tell the story first. Yeah, in the spirit of that <laughs> tragically, the tragically hip bus yeah, you behind that? you that reminds me of the breaking normal bus. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, oh God. There's, uh, I was going to aim to make a connection between you, Jordan, the breaking normal bus, that bus, and this podcast, and all of this stuff. 
But let's hear about your uh, what's oh yeah that what's most in the spirit of what's most personally universal on the back of the breaking normal bus that Jordan acquired. <laughs> that reminds me of this tragically hit bus behind you in the picture. Can you explain to us in the most personal ways what in the heavens happened to you for your um, uh, initiation into this NFT world? Yeah, so I was um I started in crypto and trading, I guess, on a platform called BitClout, which is like a crypto social network where you can trade creator coins. And I did that for a few months, had some success, had some fun. Uh, I was just, I kind of caught the trading bug. I liked the game. It's fun. It's like, you know, getting into poker or something. I liked it. High stakes games. Um, and so, but that kind of slowed down, got boring. I wasn't making any money. And I was like, okay, well, let me learn about some, something new. So I decided that I wanted to buy an NFT because I knew that those were picking up some uh, action in the culture, that there was, there was money flowing there as well as talent and artistry and innovation. And I noticed this trend of like, it seems like a lot of the best minds in technology were working in crypto and Web3 and NFTs and, and DeFi. And so I just wanted to learn more about that. Um, so I decided to buy an NFT. So how I did that, I went on Clubhouse because I knew that sometimes people made rooms about NFTs in there. I saw immediately, I just saw the first room that I saw about an NFT I opened and it was about a project called strawberry.wtf. And it was like these silly looking animated strawberries. And so I heard the artist and the creator of that project talking about it. And so like, great, I'm going to buy one of this guy's NFTs. So I went to the website and I minted my first NFT. And what that means to mint it is I basically pressed the button. I paid some Ethereum through my MetaMask application <laughs> and I generated a piece of art based on all of the possible traits that the artist had created. So when I bought that NFT, I actually didn't know what I was going to get. I just knew it was going to be some variation of one of these strawberries. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I get this. It's kind of like opening a pack of um, sports cards or Pokemon cards or something and hoping that you're going to get a rare one or one that you like or one that you identify with. So I kind of, I caught, that was the first time that I caught the, a whiff of this trend of what is generative art or PFP projects, which is profile picture projects, which is what the cool cats are. And you can see I'm actually repping a cool cat hat here with a little cat face on my cap, right? <laughs> So uh, just like, a, I don't know what it was, a, a week or two weeks later, maybe a few days, I can't remember exactly. I was browsing Twitter because um, that was a place to learn about NFT projects. Um, I would just go on Twitter and search NFT and I'd see what was trending. And so this project, Cool Cats, caught my attention. So I went on, uh, I went in their Discord, which is Discord's an app where people can host communities so I went into their Discord community and I saw all these people talking, sharing their cats, having a good time, making jokes. Um, I heard um, like a Twitter spaces or something with the artists of the cool cats um, and the developer. And I heard about their plans for the project and I thought it was really cool. And so basically what it was, similar to the strawberries, it was a collection of 10,000 randomly generated cats and they're very cute and they have crowns and Viking helmets and um, sunglasses and all different possible traits. 
So what I did is uh, as I learned more about the project and I saw the momentum that was being created, like more and more people seem to be interested in these through Twitter and all of that. And I was just learning, I should say. Like I didn't, because now I'm getting close to buying a cool cat, right? And this would be a bigger investment than the strawberry I bought. Um, I, right, 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 right. I thought <laughs> yeah. I was there. I thought, yeah, sure. I've been thinking about my Mima. Yeah. And like if she was here for this conversation. <laughs> um, I thought I understood. So you bought a strawberry of this random generated cool cat. No, 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 the strawberry is, yeah. The strawberry right. was another project. That was another project. Um, I, I, what that last statement you said, like, if I'm at the point where I can maybe buy one. What did you do before? Um, so previously I had bought a strawberry. Uh huh. Okay, that was in the past. That's what uh-huh. taught me about NFTs. I was my okay. first one. Yeah. So now that I've done that, I'm looking for something else because mm-hmm. I did that just. It was like the cost of learning. I was like. This wasn't an investment. <laughs> this was, I'm going to buy this thing just to learn about how an NFT even gets created. Right. So that was money that I was just spending on something totally. That was like the cost of educating myself about the space. So now I wanted to find a project that I thought was going to potentially grow in value. And then I'd be able to flip in a few days to a few weeks to longer possibly. And that's when I found the cool cats and I started researching that project. Um, and I ended up buying some of them. Buying some of the cool cats. Yeah. More than one? Yeah, a few. Um, I don't remember exactly how it all happened, but these basically um, gained popularity quickly. Um, And so the prices, there was a lot of fluctuation in the price. So there were opportunities to um, buy cool cats when things, when maybe the momentum slowed down, and then when there would be an event, like a new celebrity, such as Mike Tyson buying one, and then that would cause an upswing in momentum. And that'd be a good time to sell into some of that momentum. So I started just learning about the movements of the, the market um, and buying and selling cool cats. So I, I started to have success basically just trading photos of cats. All right. So I think your mic is like rubbing against your hoodie there a yeah, little bit. If it's, All right. So well, let's make this once again, what's most personal, most universal. You were telling me the story about the, the, the cat that Mike Tyson bought from mm-hmm. you. Can you explain that from beginning to end once again? Mm-hmm. Like, in so, a, like, ele- like quick one minute breaking normal video style, however, where this comes yeah. out and then maybe we can, we can expound from there. Cool. Yeah. So I discovered this NFT project called Cool Cats, 10,000 randomly generated cute cats. And um, I went on OpenSea, it's a marketplace to buy and sell them. And I found one that seemed like in its price region, it would look really good. It was much better looking than the ones priced similarly to it. And I bought it and I was like, I got a good one. And then I, and then I, so then I doubled the price and relisted it. And then a couple of days later, it sold. And then I went to see who bought it. And their name on OpenSea was Official Mike Tyson. And I was like, that's funny. Their name's Official Mike Tyson. And I clicked on it. And then they had a blue check on their profile. I was like, oh, shoot. I think it's really Mike Tyson. And it was one of only like two uh, NFTs in his wallet. So I was like, that was his first or second NFT. And then um, 
the next day or even maybe within the first, like the next couple hours, it was his profile picture on Twitter and everyone started to go crazy. They were really excited. And then the um, value of having one of those NFT skyrocketed because of that. Yeah. Um, that was a big catalyst for sure. That brought a lot of attention to it. <laughs> it was a big catalyst. Um, because suddenly people that had the cats, they felt even more convicted that this project was going to be successful. And one thing that will make a project like this successful is like how many people use it as their profile picture? How many people say, you know, I identify with this project. And so at this time, there were two primary projects where it's cool to use that as your profile picture and own one. Those are the CryptoPunks and the Bored Apes. And so the, the sentiment in the community that believed in the cool cats is that they would be like the third, that they, they would find their way into that top three projects, NFT projects, where it would be like a status symbol to own one of these and make it your profile picture. And Mike Tyson coming in as like the first big celebrity buyer definitely helped to create that confidence. So from Mike Tyson's perspective, Mm-hmm. And if you're cool, are we cool with sharing numbers on these prices or no? You yeah, that's know? fine. All right. So if I remember the conversation correctly, there's a thousand of these cool cats made and they're all a little different. 10,000. 10,000. They're all a little different. Yeah. And all of a sudden this became like a cultural phenomenon in the NFT, the new flowing Tyson space and beyond. Yes. And I should share one more reason that those would become a phenomenon and it's Yes, they're cute and it makes a fun profile picture, but it's a bet on a team and a brand. It's an opportunity to invest in a brand. So you could imagine that Cool Cats, with all the money that they've raised, with all of the celebrities now that are incentivized for the brand to grow. So like the the president of Time Magazine, he owns some Cool Cats. Um, Now all these people share an incentive for this project to be successful. And so you can imagine, it's not that hard at all to imagine a future where Cool Cats gets a show on Netflix. And now as someone that owns a Cool Cat, you actually own some of the IP, the intellectual property. So imagine a TV show that you enjoy in maybe an animated cartoon or something. Now imagine that, you know, 10 years ago, you had the opportunity to actually invest in that project and like own one of the characters. That's kind of part of the speculation here. Uh, Avatar, Last Airbender. Mm-hmm, like Avatar, The Last Airbender and um, owning Appa, the flying white bison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you also own like non-exclusive rights to that cat. So if I wanted to make merchandise with my specific cool cats on it, I could do that and sell it freely and no one's going to stop me because I own those NFTs. I couldn't use your cool cat unless I had your permission, right? Um but you actually own some of that brand. Like what if you owned a little bit of Mickey Mouse or Bart Simpson or one of these characters? So that's what, you know, Bored Apes and CryptoPunks have already shown that they can be successful at creating this kind of brand where like Jay-Z made his profile picture of CryptoPunk, right? Spent whatever it was, hundreds of thousands of dollars maybe on that CryptoPunk, I don't know the price, made it his profile picture. So um, the, you know, the next Harry Potter, the next family guy, something like one of those huge international mega brands will be co-owned by its fans 
and they will have some control in the direction of that brand. And that's what's happening here with projects like CoolCat. Hey, wow. <laughs> wow. Meta. So we were going we were going to talk Tyson numbers. <laughs> yeah, well, so Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson comes around, let's just say he I'm like he, he's I don't know what the scenario was, but he had either bought one before or he bought it right afterwards. He's like I'm getting into the space where his team is and he wants a cool cat and there's 10,000 in the market. So he goes on this open sea marketplace and sees like yours listed for what? So it was listed for 0.69 ETH. And what is the equivalent to what roughly in US dollars? So I'm going to guess, this is just a guess, that Ethereum was like maybe $3,200 at that point. I don't remember exactly, but let's just say it was that. Um, you know, somewhere between 2600 and 3500 I'm not so good with memory with these things. But um, times 0.69. So it might have been like, just over $2,000 that I had it listed for, uh, or sorry, that I, that's what I bought it for. Okay. I paid just over $2,000. Okay. 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 And then I listed it for 1.45. So, um, hmm. you know, basically after the royalty fees that OpenSea and CoolCats take, I was making about a two X on my 2000, whatever dollars. Okay. All right. So, and, we can, and that's because you listed it for that price. I and then Mike Tyson swooped it up. He saw he it and it. took it. But yep. he had other options of, of other cool cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were, at that point, there were probably a couple thousand that he had to choose from. But I knew that I had a nice looking one. Um, and, you know, looking at it, it makes sense. It just, to me, it just seems like that cat was, is a, it's a good Mike Tyson cat. He's, and your handle cool. for selling this, what was it? At the time, it was hippie degen. Oh, so it wasn't even Tyson. It wasn't even Tyson Flows oh, or something. You know, I maybe it could have been something different, but I don't think Tyson was in my Tyson was in my name. I no. wonder if that caught Mike Tyson's eye or not. If it saw Tyson, but wow, this is just like so ridiculous. This is yeah. so ridiculous. So breaking normal. It makes me think of the book, The Celestine Prophecy, a bit. Have you heard? You you read mm -hmm. that one? Listen to that. I one? read it. Yeah. You think that's connected to all this craziness? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that book's connected to everything. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, do you have anything you would like to put in here right now by any chance? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'll add something. So we, we said Mike Tyson bought that cap for me for 1.45. Right. So it has a Viking helmet. So for the Viking helmet trait, right, right now, the cheapest cat you can buy with that trait is 12.9 ETH. And what would that be the equivalent to US dollars? Let's do this just so because I'm, I think some people might not even own Ethereum. They're listening to this. Yep. And I'm like, let's uh, roughly. So we were saying 2000, you got it for 2000 something. Yeah. And then Mike Tyson got it from you from four to 5,000, yep, something like that. So and now, now, if they wanted to buy that cat, and this is so now, a, 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 no, a less cool looking cat, <laughs> but with the same Viking hat. So to get any cat with the same Viking hat now is minimum $59,000. 
And uh, where's the one that you, does Mike Tyson still hold the one that, oh, he still holds that one. Yep. And it might be his profile picture on Twitter still. Let's find out. Oh, no. He has changed it to actually an NFT of his own where he has green laser eyes. So, but it was his profile picture for a few months. So now this one with green laser eyes, let's say someone's like (laughs) listening to this. Like, I want to get that NFT. What did they do? Um, and what, how do you find out what it's sell? Like, how do you find out anything about this? Like, let's do a little investigation. So I'm, I'm aiming just to personalize this because this seeming, this could seemingly be meta, which is, does that tie to the, uh, Facebook shift? Yeah. So Facebook absolutely (laughs) sees what is happening here and the investment that people are making in their digital identities. Um, you know, there are people with huge brands and reputations and art collections and they're entirely anonymous um, or I should say pseudonymous. Like they have an identity and a reputation, but people only know them by their pseudo identity, their, you know, their cool cat profile picture and their NFT collection and their tweets. And um, so people are investing a lot in their, you know, digital identities. And I think for, um, a lot of good reasons, as well as it can be a slippery slope to, you know, um, to identify more and more with the digital world. But uh, I think Facebook definitely sees that. They also see that the a lot of the best talent in the world is um, leaving companies, probably leaving their company to work in crypto and Web3 and to create an internet that is uh, distributed and decentralized. And um, I bet that scares them quite a lot. And so I wonder how this might be related, by the way. I've noticed just recently in Boulder, I'm not sure if anyone else can relate to this. Maybe it's happening in other towns. That almost like every service industry, like restaurant, is saying now hiring for everything all the time. (laughs) Something like that, like some extreme, (laughs) like we're hiring for everything. Well, like all these signs are popping up. Mm-hmm. And so this is part of the one thing that's very interesting. And I think there are great freedoms in this. And there are also all kinds of second, third, fourth, and beyond order consequences that we cannot predict. But imagine this. There are people that can earn their full-time income uh, playing a game where just for playing the game, they earn a cryptocurrency or they earn NFTs in the game that they can sell on a marketplace. So if they're playing a game that they enjoy and they don't have to go to work and report to a boss and they're earning crypto and NFTs that is that are increasing in value as time goes on, as more of our economy gets digitalized, why would they ever go to work? So I think we're going to see more and more of that where um, people that like companies like that, where it's you know kind of low skill or low enjoyment labor, um, very quickly people will be able to earning income, living in Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse and like <laughs> just creating like hoodies that your avatar can wear or something, or, or just playing a game and earning tokens and selling them. Um, so they won't, it'll be difficult to hire those people. Um, and we already see in like the in entire like Philippines and Vietnam, um, there are people that are earning uh, in some cases double or more than their um, past incomes or average incomes just playing a game, uh, specifically a game called Axie Infinity. And um, so people in like the United States will invest in the game. They'll buy the characters. 
they'll buy the assets that are needed to play the game. And then they'll have their scholars in the Philippines or wherever play the game, earn the in-game currency. I can use that currency to create more characters, sell them on the marketplace, et cetera. So entire uh, digital economies that um, if someone can earn their full-time living, just you know, playing a game when they want to from their computer and then just going about, about their, their life um, without the need to report you know, at that restaurant or whatever, uh, people, will, I think, will opt for that. Wow, that uh, little little rabbit hole about these big people in the Philippines making yeah. we well um wow this is this one rattles my mind. Right, where did you absorb? How do you what do you blame on absorbing slash being able not only to absorb all this information, yeah, but able to communicate it. Uh, um, somewhat kind more so than most people. Yeah. Um, well, the biggest reason is I was able to, you know, buying an NFT, relisting at double of the price, going about my life and coming back a couple of days later and it sold and I made a couple thousand dollars. That was uh, an exciting for me. And that was very motivating. Um, so I was very much incentivized by the opportunity to earn money for sure um, in a way that, that um, would afford me, buy me a lot of time and, and freedom. Now, I, that incentive is what has had me basically <laughs> reinvest all of my time into learning more. Um, so there's nothing I'm definitely, like that. There's nothing like that. Uh, the money to get the wheels turning. You know, you talk yep. about like the most addictive things on earth. Uh, anyways. Yeah, very much so. Um, it's a huge incentive for me. And um, there is a, a rush in, um, in earning and, you know, watching the number go up. And so that was a big one. And then but I have, you know, goals like, you know, what can that money afford me? Well, like, what about buying some land in a beautiful place, being able to pull resources out of this digital metaverse and then invest it in the soil? I think that's really cool. So because of that motivation and that incentive, I basically for the last like four months um, have spent <laughs> almost like, yeah, a lot of my time, almost all of it, um, learning about this market, um, practicing in it, buying and selling um, NFTs. And I have a group of people, like a, a community that I access uh, via ownership of an NFT as a membership to a community. And so everybody in there is invested in that community together. So we're all incentivized to make it um, like high signal, high signal, good information, um, good attitude, helpful, right? Good relationships. And so sometimes I'll spend eight plus hours a day on a voice chat with other people, sharing information, um, talking about the market, um, participating in NFT drops, um, all of that together. So that was a huge accelerant. Like if I just remained from the beginning doing this after the Mike Tyson thing and just finding some momentum and realizing that I wanted to give this a go, I realized that the most important thing for me would be to find other people to do this with. And that was um, huge, very helpful. So it's basically by doing that that I've been able to get somewhat of a, a grasp on this whole thing. Um, but even with that said, the market is 
always changing. And so what we've seen is that um, cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, where most NFTs are traded on, um, and other cryptocurrencies have been rallying and their value has been going up. So people have been selling their NFTs like crazy to get liquid or to get exposure to those cryptocurrencies. So you can see massive um, price fluctuations um, in the market. So it's the, one of those things where nobody is an expert and there's definitely a lot of risk. But I guess to kind of tie a little bow on that, what I would say is start similar to how I started, which was I said, I want to buy an NFT. And I just went and I bought the first NFT that I found where I had a connection with the creator. And I just saw that investment as like total sunk cost. Like I'm just doing this because, well, first of all, I have a connection with this creator. I don't mind paying them some of my money. I think that they're a cool person and I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy their piece of art and then I'm going to participate in that community. I'm going to learn about their project and how it was created. And, um, and that got me started, right? It's just like I took one little step and I just found an NFT that I could afford and I bought it. Now, how did that price, who determined the price of the NFT you bought? So that very first one, um, just the creator. So when they deployed the smart contract that allows people to mint an NFT, so there's like a contract that goes out, they programmed it, it has all the, all the rules and functions and everything in it. And in that contract, there's a function called mint, which essentially means like create. And so that allowed me to pay a certain amount of Ethereum to the artist to then create one of the 10,000 strawberries. This was strawberries at the time. So they would have received that money and it was probably um, 0.04, if I were to guess, Ethereum. So at the time, if 0.1 might have been like 300 bucks, maybe 150, maybe it was like, a, maybe I paid like $100. Um, plus you pay a gas fee to basically the Ethereum network to process your transaction. And that can, um, that price will fluctuate depending on how much activity is happening on the network and um, how advanced the contract is. But uh, yeah, um, hundred bucks. <laughs> Amazing. So do, I'm imagining you must know people in Canada, maybe in your family or maybe family that's older than you or friends that are not like they're in the oil fields or something. Mm -hmm. Do you have this conversation or how does this conversation go? Because it's, it's once again, a seemingly pretty meta in my mind. I like the advice to um, get used to it by experimenting with it. Um, and once again, for like, if I want to experiment with it, creating an NFT, what do I do? Does it need to be digitally rendered? And what do I do if we have one? What do I do? Yeah. So I love uh, talking about this stuff because it tests me. I get to find out what I know and what I don't know, or at least what I think I know and what my blind spots are and all that. Um, and it also makes it social because I spend a lot of time like on my own um, doing NFT stuff. But I especially love talking to my grandma about NFTs because the other day I was telling her about NFTs and what I was doing. I was like um, doing this thing where I was training ether orcs 
to <laughs> improve their levels so that they could farm me more Zug, which then I could use to create more Ether Orcs to sell. <laughs> and um, she literally threw her hands in the air and said, stop it, stop it, stop. <laughs> she didn't want to hear it. It was too much. Um, <laughs> so I always get a kick out of talking to her about it. And, um, and then if you were going to create one, OpenSea is an example of a platform that makes it very easy to experiment with creating an NFT. I've done it. Um, you could um, take a picture of, you know, anything, your feet if you wanted, or maybe make a little drawing on a piece of paper, photograph it, um, and go through the process on OpenSea. Basically on OpenSea, you'd go create and then just walk through their steps. Now, what you do need right now to interact with OpenSea is a crypto wallet such as MetaMask. Um, and MetaMask is an extension that you install in your browser. And it is what gets you access to things like OpenSea and authenticates that you are the owner of a specific um, wallet or private key. So it's a different model than traditionally, if we were going to use like a, a marketplace like eBay, you'd log in with an email and a password. Whereas in Web3 or with an application like MetaMask, you, um, you don't log in that way. Um, you basically, like you could still have a password in your browser to access MetaMask. Um, but you would need one of those. You need that application to be able to use OpenSea. Wow. Once again, the pure just, I can see how your grandma would scream stop. The lingo of all this. I mean, um, MetaMask. I mean, that's yes. pretty incredible. That that's the installation for the software. I mean, like if you're talking, are you talking, are we talking like what reality are we talking about right now? It's, I mean, I think we're going to see this stuff. Like we see like email eventually, like it, 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 they have, this is part of what is, this is like the bottleneck of crypto and NFTs. It solves a lot of problems. It makes a lot of really cool new things possible. The bottleneck is that there is a barrier to entry and understanding that makes people just say, <laughs> throw their hands in the air and say, stop it. Yeah, like so, crossing the chasm. I think there was a book about that yeah. and like early adopters yep. versus people that are late, like the middle. I mean, this is yep. some early adopter. You sound like an early adopter for sure. Yeah. And I, I think, think it, and my opinion is, it seems like it might really pay to be an early adopter. But how to, how to get like the most of this, it like seems like you should have a, just as there are, uh, um, mortgage brokers and like these financial firms and advisors is like, do, are people doing this now? Are they like doing advisements and taking care yeah. of people's money? There's for through sure all this crazy stuff and, and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a uncharted territory and kind of sketchy territory as far as regulation and stuff goes. A lot of questions um, about like an NFT, like, is it a cryptocurrency? You know, is it a collectible? Um, if uh, and if if I you know if I own an ether orc and it earns me zug, and then I sell that zug, like what is that? What am I? What is like? How will the governments um, uh, define those transactions that are taking place for purpose of taxation and regulation? So there are some questions, but as far as like the simple, like just like the digital art that's just stand on its own, just um, art pieces that are seen to have historic significance. Those are some of the ones where more institutional money is already um, 
finding its way in. Um, buying art blocks is a very popular platform for digital art. And actually, while we're on this topic, Tim Ferriss has a podcast episode with um, Naval and um, someone by the name of, I think, Chris Dixon, could be another C name, but Naval and Dixon. And um, it's in his last couple, it's very recent, very good podcast about Web3. If anyone wants to take the learning a little deeper from some people that are very, very smart on this uh, topic. And I I would say it's fun. Like I approach this kind of with the attitude of like, I'm going to, I want to learn about this stuff because it was overwhelming for me. Um, But I knew that by, you know, being overwhelmed or keeping a distance from it, I was leaving some opportunity on the table, which sometimes is fine. We're always leaving opportunities on the table, like, you know, Um, but I I was curious enough and I just decided that, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to learn. And so kind of taking on that mindset of um, being looking forward to the the challenge of figuring it out. I can't help the tragically hip. I just can't like, is that tied? What is the tragically hip? It almost seems yeah. like tied to what you're talking about. Well, I mean, the tragically hip, that's um, my dad's favorite band ever by far. When we go camping, um, like, that's all he would play. Like just it's his, he loves the hip and so him and my mom's, uh, I think first date or at least one of their first dates was a hip concert. Um, they since went to like 10 of them or something. And so they've got posters here from concerts that they went to and like their tickets, <laughs> you know, we were talking about saving t- the tickets and stuff, proof of attendance and tickets. There you got tickets right there. Um, that could be their first date for all I know. I got to find out. So um yeah they're awesome band the um and they're like just classic canadian uh band everybody out here loves them wow wow um <clears throat> oh at one point when you said the bit cloud thing you said you weren't mm-hmm. making money but if i remember you were saying you were making one of the reasons you got all into this is because you were making more money that than you ever have and then you i would like a little clarity on that because i you know, this is the craziest thing about this the conversation is it reminds me of like tribe design in the financial world. And I think I mentioned to this to you last night, like I think with tribe design, we were touching on the topic that the solution potentially to humanity's problems weren't like a big idea for everyone. It was more like a bunch of people coming together in groups of around 150 people yeah. coming up with their own ideas best yeah. for themselves. Yes. And this sounds like this conversation in the financial world. Yeah, I have definitely something to say about that. So um, one thing that's really awesome and it gets me super passionate about like NFTs in particular is that a community of people can come together. They can, through culture and art and storytelling and, and then memes, humor, they can create a brand, right? And they can imbue it with a story and value. And then over time, people from the outside looking in might want a piece of that brand, piece of that IP. And so what we see is like a grassroots sort of um, approach to building a project like Board Apes or Cryptodes, for example, where it just started being valued at like a hundred bucks. If you want it, come and get it. 
But then the community started making memes and creating socks and creating stories and derivative artwork and different things and coming together and building, building a network. And then over time, increasing the value, the cost of entry, whereas then we saw crypto sales or board ape sales of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. Um, and that was no one came in, created a piece of art in these two cases and priced it at a million bucks. Um, it started at a, a mint of $100 or whatever it was. And then the community together built it up. Um, and then we've seen in a lot of cases, this transfer of wealth from people that have got deep pockets, made a lot of money, and now they want to invest in this culture. And the people that put in that time and that sweat equity and made means and, and built the communities, um, getting to receive that, that, that transfer of that wealth, that, that, that payday. Um, and I, I've, I've just seen that happen and that's pretty neat. Um, and then to give clarity on my situation with BitClout, I, um, so yeah, BitClout was my first exposure to trading. Um, you know, I was making more money than I made in like any previous like job. Um, and it was, it was fun, but it wasn't like I was like, you know, it wasn't like any crazy amounts of money. I was probably, but I was like sustaining my lifestyle, basically using a crypto social network, which is kind of weird. Um, and I was trading creator coins and, but then that slowed down. So BitCloud kind of lost some of its magic, I would say, um, some of its momentum or just some of the hype. Um, and it got slow. And so then that's what catalyzed me to look into NFTs. And so, and then I've, um, NFTs, I've had even some more success. Um, I've had single sales of NFTs that were, um, an amount of money that I would have been happy to have made over the course of a number of months in one sale. So, and were those NFTs you made or bought? Just bought. Have you made any early NFTs and then sold, you know, weeks or months later or whatever. Have you made any NFTs? Nope. Okay. All right. So the, let me just think of like some action steps for someone that's like, let me get yep. make sure I get involved. Yep. Um, they want to go. Um, all right. If you have any NFTs or anything to promote, please do. <laughs> it's like, Hey, and then uh, like, for instance, like JP, I heard someone told me he just made an NFT. And by the way, hmm. I want to plant the seed too about the skellies on Tezos thing. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if, I, if you have anything to say about that as a side note. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this and you know, I just hung out with JP and we're friends with him. He created an NFT with all the things that I talked about with him, I mean, bring that up. If I want to go buy his NFT, do you know how to do that? Yeah, um, absolutely. What that even means? What, what does that mean? Yeah, so if I was going to buy, if I was going to start from nothing and go and buy, say, JP's NFT or Mike Tyson's NFT, um, I would go to OpenSea.com website. Um, hold on, let me make sure. That's what, no, OpenSea.io. Um, I would install MetaMask. It's just an extension in Google Chrome. Uh, if you just go to metamask.io, you'll find it there, install it. Um, you will make a seed phrase. And this is the important part of this whole thing. You only have to do this once, but you need to um, save your seed phrase in a safe place. I'd recommend um, if you're doing this like physically, if you can, like writing it on a piece of paper and putting it somewhere very safe, not taking a photo of it on your phone 
because um, if someone could get into your phone and find that photo. Basically, what we're saying here is that imagine you had a bank account, but you didn't have a bank to rely on for the security of that account. You were the security. <laughs> so you want to, if you were going to, if you're throwing in like a smaller amount of money that you're okay with losing and you're not so worried about it and you're just experimenting, fine. But, you know, if you're going to put in any significant amount of money, you want to keep your seed phrase safe. So this is the one part of this process that is like, you know, there's a little bit of that pressure. physical reality. Yes, a exactly. You got to write down your seed phrase and keep it safe. But then after you've done that, you will have a MetaMask account. From there, you can um, buy Ethereum. You can do that in a bunch of different ways, but I like to just use my phone and go on, go on the Coinbase app, buy Ethereum. I'll send it to my MetaMask address and then boom, now we're talking. We can go on OpenSea and we can buy an NFT. Um, and then to answer your other question, I don't have anything to promote, but if you have any questions about any of this, um, I am on Twitter. My Twitter handle is 0XTYS. Oh, you, the, for some reason, uh, you broke up, right? We yeah. said that. <laughs> Can Twitter handle. My yeah. Twitter handle is 0XTYS. 0XTYS. Okay. Okay. Woo. All right. So now if you go on that, is JP's NFT for sale or something? Yeah. Is it? Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's give JP a shout out here. Come on, JP. It's nice fine, to see dude. you again. We did a lot of come ons. He uh, officiated Jordan's <laughs> wedding. It's like the Breaking Normal podcast is like a part of all these <laughs> weddings and such. It's amazing. I got to meet Wilder, JP's son at the airport. At an unplanned, like we both planned flights near the same gates at the same times without knowing it. So we got to hang out quite a bit at the airport with his mom too, JP's mom and son. So let's give JP a little search for his NFT. <laughs> and, Where do I find this guy's NFT? Yeah, I'm like wondering for how does someone do this? Have you been uh, freestyling much? Uh, not so much in the last like four or five months. Um, prior to that, I freestyled like pretty much every day. Um, sometimes for like, <laughs> I had sometimes where I freestyled on Clubhouse for like eight hours at a time. Wow, these eight um, hour streaks. Woo Are you on uh, uh, testosterone, steroids, or Adderall? <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I definitely have strongly considered Adderall, but I managed to never try it. So that- Oh, you've I, never I like tried Adderall? Never tried it. I'm no. definitely like have that, um, like, you know, I'm curious, but I also know that like, I mean, clearly with the way that I treat NFTs and freestyle, I have this sort of, I don't want to call it addictive. What's a, what's a, I have a passion. Enthusiastic. Yeah, I, get, I get very absorbed and I just, you know. Um, Attention dialed into a higher dimension. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with like my, my coffee and. Oh, I bet there's a lot of people in the space that use Adderall as my guest. Now oh, that I said this, holy mackerel, I'm just. Ton. Oh yeah. People swear by it. When people hear that you don't do Adderall, they're like, what do you mean you don't have to get Adderall? Uh, yeah, all of a sudden, this whole conversation is making me think of Adderall. Yeah. <laughs> that makes so much sense. That Yeah, oh, wow. Wow, same with doc. Like, I think I'm a lot of medical doctors. Like, when I went to, um, I applied for medical. No, I didn't apply for medical school. I took the MCATs, and I decided not to apply for medical school. But um, it sounded, from the people I talked to, it just made it, they made it sound like, oh, yeah, of course, we're taking, we're taking Adderall. But yeah, <laughs> like, obviously, we're going through medical school. Why would yeah. you not? Yeah, it's like that. Pretty interesting. Pretty yeah. interesting. Take your um, Soma, Brave New World, Aldous Huxley. Have you heard that book or read that book? I've oh, been yeah. reading some of these dystopian society books lately. Uh, have you read? Have you listened to um, the Huxley um, 
the the more utopian one about the island is that is it called the island oh island i saw the island. book cover and i almost caught that that uh, um audible algorithm has been pushing that towards me uh, yeah i Do recommend, you recommend it. it's it? like okay. yeah it's like the utopian uh <laughs> oh yes come on <laughs> i knew that book cover i was like what a book cover i was just like can't but i was a little scared to read another dystopian <laughs> yeah no this one's nice I did just finish Animal Farm and mm -hmm. 1984 from George Orwell. Yep. My synopsis is like, I, I thought a lot of people read these books. <laughs> yeah, it seems I like. Thought, <laughs> yeah. Did we not read these books? Geez, like, wow, how did, Are we just pretending they don't exist? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and I'm like just profoundly stricken by the whole thing. And it's like, did people, some people are making it, using it as a manual. Oh. <laughs> Actually, it's an instruction manual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a four dummies. <laughs> Controlling okay. society for dummies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I found yeah. it. The, the non-fungible freedom column. Oh, oh! So he has a this is like a page. Does this mean like he has a? I whole think the idea is that they're going to be like, um, like comic strips, kind of. Maybe it's why it's a freedom column. Like there's going to be a series, and it's like they're they tell a story, and so one of them is like a pandemic meeting, <laughs> and it's there's got there's sales on it. I don't there's I don't think there's any for sale right now. Oh, I think maybe there's only one of them. Wow, one looks like, looks like Cal owns it. Wait, Cal owns the <laughs> one. What do you mean? I mean Oh, Unless you mean it's like another person. Named no, it's Cal. probably Cal. It's probably Cal, but like, uh, you mean the one that's left Cal owns? What do you mean by that? What it was someone called Cal Callahan bought the first non fungible freedom oh, column. That's like actually 2. another Cal. E. Yeah, probably a different Cal. Okay. Yeah, I know that Cal. This name is public on OpenSea. So. He has a podcast. It's like called The Great <laughs> Unlearning. There you go. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, so, are you saying you cannot buy an NFT from JP right now? Uh, well, that one's already been purchased. Let's see. Now there is the JPixel <laughs> is available, um, but it looks like I think JP sold all of his and now there are some available, but they are, um, you can still buy them, but there are other people that are selling them on secondary. So, so they're only them. black market available. <laughs> secondary market. Yeah. So some people <laughs> bought this NFT and are reselling it. <laughs> So how many were available at the beginning? Does it say? Does that something is that available for Yeah, there are 25 J pixels and they are currently distributed among 19 owners. Oh, okay. So some people own multiple. Yep. And if you wanted to buy one, what's would you have a do they have them listed at different prices? Um yeah, the cheapest one right now is listed at 3.8 ETH. So that's um Seventeen thousand dollars. No, no one's bought one at that price, but that's what it's listed at. And it's so a someone JP. like so someone like JP. You know, people see this. How does JP? Does he just like the, all of this money? How does he make money off this exactly? Okay, How so does... he sold them originally, right, for zero point zero two ETH. Um. So did he buy one? Like he owns some? Is that the idea? Well, or he like... created them. So yeah, yeah. by him minting them to the blockchain, he was the original owner. And then he was able to list them from there. And so 0.02 ETH a couple months ago, I mean, that was, um, that was less than a hundred bucks, right? So 
Um, and now the highest sale since it looks like there's been a sale to ETH and, and the latest sale was 0.16. So you can see there's large <laughs> price Disparity differences. between mm-hmm. yep. what's being so sold versus what the evaluation. JP probably collects a, a, a royalty, right? So he can collect a royalty. Um, you can set it to whatever you want. It can be 2%, 10%. Um, and then you can collect a, a piece of all of those sales. So what's great about that for an artist is if they're trying to get their work out into the world at an affordable price, because there may be new, a new artist, they can put something out there. Um, but then as their work grows in value over time, and then maybe those pieces end up selling for significantly more in the future, they can still get a piece of that price appreciation from those original pieces of art. So you definitely mm-hmm. have artists that are making a great living um, off of the, the, the royalties on secondary trading action on there on all trades they get a royalty yep so that when the price goes up yeah and and whatever the price is right um yeah they get a royalty just a piece of every sale whatever that price is yeah and can he own his own yep totally um you i've even seen artists buy back their pieces at like way higher evaluations than they originally sold it for what a move what yeah so awesome yeah, there's an artist in the space called Justin Aversano, and he's uh, he's into surfing. He's a photographer. He has a photography collection called Twin Flames, where he takes he took photos of twins around the world, and it's um very popular collection. And uh, he's the artist that I saw do that. Wow. Yeah. And we go ahead. Is there something else? Um, I was gonna just say primarily, I think what has given his collection so much value, and you have such crazy sales is um, his ability to um, build a network. And so it's basically relationships that he has with people um, that then choose to buy his work. And then he's found himself having a lot of like noteworthy collectors. And then that creates a sort of rippling effect, right? Like once you get a couple noteworthy collectors, it attracts others. And so he's an example of someone who it's like to own one of his pieces of art in the NFT space is seen as it's like one of those grail projects. It is um, a sort of signal or a symbol that says, you know, like, you know, I've got one of the OG or one of the grail pieces. It's a, a Justin Aversano twin flame portrait. Well, holy moly. I, I'm imagining this conversation could go times 10. Um, <laughs> but for, <laughs> interesting. Um, but it looks like we have like a minute or left on the recording or so. Anything else you want to make sure we include? I don't think so. I mean, I really appreciate uh, you having this conversation with me because just I really enjoy the opportunity to talk about this stuff and have you be curious about it. And for me to, you know, just get to talk about it is uh, I just really appreciate it. I enjoy it and I get to learn um, quite a lot. And it, and it reveals, it reflects to me. It lets me kind of see uh, how interested I am in all of this when I get to hear myself kind of talk about it and um, have you reflect what you're hearing. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a part of me and make like big, all kinds of like other conversations as well. <laughs> but I guess that's the <laughs> magic of creative constraints, which I know you know all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe it's, uh, there'll be an excuse to have a conversation again sometime soon. Yeah. The, for the new flowing Tyson, the new flowing talk. Yep. <laughs> Truth speak. Big brother is not watching or is he? Hey, brother, those books. Holy moly, y'all. Just 
yeah, like I was going to ask you about those kind of things, but I think I'm going to honor this creative constraint because I know Canada has all kinds of other things going on in the USA, but maybe this will be a good reason for people to uh, reach out to you if they want to talk about that. What is the best way to re- reach out? What would you say the best way? Probably Twitter right now. Zero X T Y S. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tyson. I'll, I'll just trust this will be to, to be continued for us as well, man. I'm, I so much respect and on fun and memories. You're talking about memories and having concert tickets. Holy moly. How many do we have? Lots. Imagine we had like a um, little digital piece of art that represented each of those, some of those moments or some of those tribe designs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. We'll keep breaking normal. All right. Much you love too, you all. Daniel. Thank Take you. Take care, Tyson. Peace. Peace.